Welcome back, everyone, to Your Life, God's Word, where we take the principles found in Scripture and we apply them to our everyday lives, those areas that are most important, faith, family, and community. Welcome back, everybody. hope you are having a fantastic week thus far, and I hope this episode makes your week even better. Uh, speaking of making weeks better, make our week better by smashing that subscribe button and uh, leaving a comment at the end of this. Let us know what you think, what you thought, what your um, what your insights are from Proverbs 18. That's where we're going to be today. And uh, don't forget, if you haven't already, go back and watch uh, or listen to, if you're on Spotify or one of those uh, services, go and check out Proverbs 1 through 17 because we have been building up, building up, building up and getting through this chapter. So I'm going to go ahead and dive right in with uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 1. Proverbs 18, 1 says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Verse 2, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. We have already covered scriptures such as there's um, safety in a multitude of counsel or counselors. Uh, we, we need to understand that wise people seek out wise counsel. Wise people seek to um, grow in knowledge, grow in understanding, grow in wisdom. Wise people uh, don't have any problem with uh, being con- confronted with truth. Many people have these little facades they build up or an echo chamber, right? Where they just, when they say something, they want to hear that back. And so they'll, they'll isolate themselves, create for themselves a, uh, a little cloister of, you know, uh, people who think just like them, act just like them, poly parrot everything that, that they might um, see and, 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 and believe and this kind of stuff. And it creates major issues. Now, we see this happening in our society right now where you've got lots of uh, fragmentation. You've got lots of tribalism, people getting into their own little uh, little huddle teams. And, uh, well, you know, I guess the word huddle team, <laughs> I was just thinking about that. We call one of the one of the groups here at the church the huddle team. But uh, what we mean is like getting into the huddle and then getting back in the game, I guess. <laughs> anyway, I, di- I digress. Um... But people get into these, you know, these tribal, um, segmented, segregated uh, little groups, and they can't hear uh, discussion. They can't hear the other side. They can't listen to, and let's logically, uh, with reason, and um, I, mean, I, I, could, I guess I could use the word empathy. It's overused, it's overplayed, and generally empathy means shut up and don't, uh, I shouldn't say generally, a lot of times people use the word empathy to mean shut up and don't try to, don't try to tell someone where they might be wrong, don't ever say anything to that that might help make someone better or wiser, just hear, just hear what they have to say. Well, I mean, yes, there's a great value in listening and hearing, but at the end of the hearing, if there's a problem, there needs to be some kind of resolution, right? People need to address the issue. Uh, safety in a multitude of counselors. It doesn't say safety in a multitude of people just sitting there and listening. No, they're going to listen. They're going to 
empathize, and then they're going to help us become wiser uh, by maybe pointing out those blind spots we're not seeing, bringing truth to the table and logic and reason that we didn't see before, maybe a new perspective on something. And uh, empathy, true empathy is part of that, trying to understand where the other person is coming from. I've done this and changed my opinion on very big things over the years. Um, you know, just listening to, for instance, uh, how other countries might view the United States. Uh, we listen, if, you know, if you do listen to the corporatized um, state-run media <laughs> that we have, a lot of our um, news channels, that's really all they are. Now, we can believe that about Russia. We can believe that about China. We can believe that about Venezuela. We can believe that about just pretty much Canada. We can, I mean, we can believe that about any country, but when it comes to our country, oh, no, 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 no. We are told the truth. We There's a truth filter that in, in, in our country, and that goes for Canadians, right? They can believe that uh, there's state-run media in the United States just feeding propaganda, and all the people in the United States are just dummies who are just you know, buying this stuff hook, line, and sinker, but they maybe they have a they struggle to believe that about themselves in their own country. Why we get into these little groups where we are number one, everybody else is a dis, distant second, and we are pure, we are virtuous, we are righteous, and everybody else is a bunch of heathens um, and evildoers. We we can't just close our eyes, close our ears, and think that way. We need to be able to listen and hear. And guess what? Sometimes you'll listen and, you're, and you'll hear and you'll hear the other side and you were right going into it. Your side is correct. But there's nothing wrong with hearing and listening. See, truth stands on its own. Truth can, can answer the hard questions. Truth can handle being challenged. I'll put this in a religious context for people. If you're in a church and I, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but if you're in a church that people can't handle listening to, interacting with um, another viewpoint, and say, "Hey, this is what this person sees, and this is what you know this group believes," but here's the here's the scriptural points why we think that's incorrect or whatever. Um, leaders can't be challenged in what they believe. I mean, somebody steps up to the pulpit or the dace or uh, you know jumps on the live stream. And when they say it, I mean, it's pretty much just gospel. Like, you, you, you don't really question. You don't really say, hmm, let's think about this. As a uh, child of God, let me look at the scriptures. Let me, let me, let me you know, try to discern here if this is accurate. Oh, no, 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 no. They, the prophet, the pastor, the apostle, whatever it is, they step up and they say it. You don't question it. Um, that is not good, right? We need to be able to hear other sides. We need to be able to think about things, and we need to... Um, allow ourselves to be challenged. Allow the truth to be challenged. Jesus didn't shut down debate. Uh, Paul didn't shut down debate. The apostles didn't shut down questions. Um, the scripture is open. God, <laughs> okay, he's to totally fine. Question me. Ask me. And uh, then I'm going to give you your dose of truth. And, and you know, it's our job to find out what pleases the Lord. It's our job to find out what he says on the matter. But he, there's no reason why truth shouldn't be able to be questioned. And one way we, we avoid those questions, one way we isolate ourselves, one way we create these echo chambers is by cutting off debate, cutting off logic and reason, cutting off uh, real empathy, 
we do these things and we create these little, again, these little groups and clusters of people that all believe the same thing and they're all headed over the, the cliff into oblivion because what they believe is wrong. Um, and we as the church, uh, we should be propagators of truth. We should be folks who go out there and proclaim truth with love but even truth spoken in love is going to hurt people's feelings. It's going to make people mad. It's going to upset a lot of people. It's going to um, cause relationships to be severed. It's going to cause um, parents to um, be angry at their children for preaching that truth. It's going to cause children to maybe avoid mom and dad or break that, sever that relationship because mom and dad are, they're just, they're going to stand for the truth in a loving way, but the, the children don't want them to stand for truth. Society has always been against the truth. It's always been against the truth of God. It has always been against the church, and we should not, we should not be surprised when that happens. So in a religious context, again, I'm going to bring it back to that, a, um, a leader who is beyond question is uh, not of God and is scary, and you should not be in that kind of situation. Uh, you also just yourself should be open to listening to, debating, talking to somebody that believes something different than you, hear what they have to say, hear their points, and go home or there in the conversation, be able to answer their questions, be able to answer their good points, and see why what they believe maybe there's they're in error. And if you can't do that, maybe you're in error. I'll give you the, a quick anecdote. One time I was sitting at uh, at uh, Dunkin' Donuts and this person um, was talking to me and they were explaining how, you know, man, I just, I don't see the, you know, the miracles. I'd love to see like more healing. I'd love to see more demonstration of the spirit. And they're just going on and on about how, you know, they want to see this, blah, blah, blah. Then the, um, the conversation shifted to them talking about a time when they were in um, they were in a, a different city and just happened to be in some restaurant or something. And these people came in, and these people um, did not believe some certain doctrinal truths um, that my, I'll, I'll just say my friend, we'll, we'll, we'll call him, uh, call him Jim, okay? My friend Jim, again, expressed to me his frustration with some of these things, not seeing things, demonstration, operation of the spirit, that kind of stuff. Then he, Jim goes to this restaurant and in that restaurant, these people sit down um, and uh, I don't know if he knew them. I think he knew them, um, but somehow they got in the conversation and these people had been experiencing exactly what he was wanting. They were explaining how they were hitting the streets. They'd been praying for people, seeing miracles and all this stuff. And then he proceeded to tell me that there there were a few doctrinal things where these people um, were a little off, a little wrong. Didn't have there was some scripture that they were they didn't really see clearly. And he proceeded to tell me, you know, man, what a what a moment! You're like Aquila and Priscilla. We were able, I was able to talk to them and tell them, you know, some of the areas where they might want to consider and blah blah blah. And they needed to see these doctrinal truths. And man, I really what a God moment. God brought them into my life so I could pour into them. I was like, Jim, you just explained to me how you are frustrated. You have been seeking, praying, crying out to God. You're looking around. You're not seeing the miracles, the demonstration. 
Then you go to a place and somebody comes to you and that's exactly what they've been seeing. That's exactly what they've been doing. Everything that you've been crying out to God for, these people had, and you're telling me that you ignored that in order to try and correct some doctrinal issue. Um, may, may not even be a primary issue, just as kind of a secondary thing or whatever. And I just, I, yeah, yeah. I said, who is Aquila and Priscilla in this situation? And I'm telling you, and for those of you that don't know, Aquila and Priscilla, right, they, they pulled Apollos aside, and the Bible says in uh, Acts 18 that they, they kind of shared the gospel with him more fully, kind of expounded the word more, more fully, more accurately, kind of brought him into some understanding that he needed. And I'm just like, like, you needed this stuff. You needed understanding. They could have helped you, and instead of you being open to being helped, to hearing what these people have to say, you were so quick to judge what they don't have right, and you be the one to tell them what's up, and you missed your opportunity. And the look on this person's face, I mean, the realization, and they were just like, but that's exactly how it happens with religious people. We don't open our minds to more truth. We don't open our minds to the blind spots in our own position, our own thinking. And instead of realizing that, yes, when you come across somebody else, maybe there's things that you can give them, but maybe there's things that they can give you. So we should not isolate ourselves and um, break out against and lose out with all sound judgment. That is the kind of primary thing I want to talk about in this chapter. We need to be open. We need to be open to change. Change is hard. Change is painful to many people. Um, at work, I remember years ago, I had my team watch the little cartoons called Who Moved My Cheese? And the whole thing is about managing change. The whole thing is about being able to change. And it is difficult. There are a whole you know, team sometimes put together in companies for change management, being able to walk people through. I mean, it could be a super awesome value-added change, but there are always those who are just it's, it's painful. It's, it's like a painful reality that we have to change here. So please, let's be wise, not fools, and let's be open to hearing and maybe even debating or talking with or reasoning with. You know, it's like uh, just came to my mind, Isaiah chapter one, where God says, hey, come, let us reason together. Uh, I think that's important. I think it's important for us to be able to do because we don't have all truth. You do not have all truth on all topics. I'm sorry, you don't. You And if you think you do, well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So, let's not do that. Um, verse 2 again, right? Fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. I'm sorry. Uh, my friend in that scenario, right, where they were there, they were in need and just wanted to express their opinion and get their point across, they were the ones that behaved like a fool that day. And that's not, again, I've behaved that way. I've done that. I'm not saying that's like, oh, they're just lost and without God. No, no, I'm just saying uh, I've behaved foolishly. And in that situation, this person, they, be, they behaved foolishly. They should have been there to listen and hear and let God answer their prayer through somebody else that they thought was less than, right? Um, verse 3, when 
Wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. Uh, yes, indeed, indeedy. Verse 4, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Mm-hmm. You know, wisdom has a way of just kind of coming out. Now, that, that old saying, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. People may not partake of, um, but the bubbling brook is there. Uh, the, the, the wisdom of God's principles, you know, the, the truth and justice and righteousness and true, real biblical love, real biblical empathy, things like that, it's all there to be had. It's just the problem is we don't want to drink. We want to, um, you know, stick our nose up and be like, well, I know better. And usually it ends up ending in disaster. Um, verse 5, we're in Proverbs 18. Once again, I'm reading from the ESV. Verse 5, it is not good to be partial to the wicked or to deprive the righteous of justice. This gets to that idea that God likes balance. He likes justice. Um, he he likes... Now, again, these, these words are so overplayed in our society. You know, equity and uh, justice and um, fairness and all this stuff. But defined biblically, fairness defined biblically, fairness and equity defined biblically, these things are wonderful and they are godly. We just have to not pervert them by defining them in some man-made construct and then being like, yeah, we want justice. Well, what kind of justice, right? And we've talked at length about that, so I'm not going to go back into it. Go watch that episode. Um, verse 6, a fool's lips walk into a fight and his mouth invites a beating, <laughs> right? Again, getting to that point of not knowing when to shut your mouth, not knowing when to... Uh, Listen a little bit before you start talking. Uh, yeah. Verse 7, a fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. Now, again, right, within the context of that first verse, they isolate themselves. They don't want to listen. They don't want to hear. They don't want to have counsel. And so they're they're out there just proclaiming, doing their thing, and I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I've seen lives ruined. I've seen marriages crushed. I've seen families lost and away from God because parents are foolish, because uh, a husband is foolish, doesn't want to listen, doesn't want to change, doesn't want to hear instruction, doesn't want to hear correction, doesn't want to line up with the Word of God, wants to make excuses for himself, make excuses for his spouse, make excuses for the children, make excuses... This is what happens when we go against what God is saying, and we try to have a reason why we have why it's different for us. That is just an excuse. And when there's nobody there to point their finger and say, "Hey, you got to get straight, you got to get right," how's it going to happen? It's not going to happen. Wise people, they want to be corrected. Wise people want to be why? Because correction. Think about the word correction. What is happening there? You are wrong. You're being now. You're being made more correct. <laughs> right? This literally like hello, but we don't want it just because. Yeah, it's painful. Change is painful. Somebody identifying our blind spot or weak points. That's not easy. That's not fun. Nobody likes that. Oh yay! You showed me where I'm being a total fool in this area. Thank you so much. But it's ultimately for our good. Um, you know, Bible talks about God chastising us, and if you're a son, He's going to chastise you. He's going to uh, correct the, correct you. So we really should, you know, want it, even though in the moment it may not be happy-pappy, but um, it's for our own good. 
So uh, verse 8, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body. Talking about things like gossip and, and you know, to use a King James word, tail-bearing, right? A tail-bearer. But, you know, oh yeah, they're like delicious morsels. Ooh, give me that little juicy gossip. But they destroy the gossiper. They wreck havoc in community, in a church body, and they destroy the listener. So the best thing to do with somebody who's gossiping is to shut them up. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that you know church, church leadership should be running around like trying to track down every gossiper. No, no, no. I'm saying when someone goes to gossip, you shut them up. Not you run and tell on them as being a gossip. No, no, no. You say, hey, that's gossip. That's sin. I don't want any part of it. Don't do it around me. What's wrong with that? Are you too, do you have no spine? Are you too weak? You too wimpy? Um, okay. So destroy you, destroy them, destroy the body of Christ, hinder the, the, the work that God wants to do. You'd rather do that than grow a spine and shut it down. That's how it should be done. Shut it down down. I don't gossip about people. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not gossiping. I just want you to pray about... No, I don't want you to talk about somebody else to tell me a prayer request. Why don't you just give me their name and just say, just pray for them, okay? And even then sometimes, oh, we just need to be praying, wink, 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 you know, about, um, you know, so-and-so, they're just struggling, you know. I was at the store the other day and I saw them. Well, stop right there. Stop right there. You're a gossip. I'm not hanging with you anymore. I mean, the Bible says to do this. The Bible says do this. Mark them to cause division. Have nothing to do with them. Simple. Difficult, but simple, right? Basic. Love the things of God. They're just, they're so basic. Uh, might not be easy to do in the moment, but they really are pretty, pretty simple, pretty basic. Verse 19, whoever's slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Uh... Work ethic, being diligent in things we do, putting our hand to the plow, working, uh, you know, working hard at things. It's just a biblical principle all throughout the Bible. People that are lazy, no good things to say about people that are lazy in the uh, in the Bible. Just not there. And uh, we everybody's got you know ten reasons why they 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 can be a slacker and a sluggard and all this stuff. Just excuses. Just excuses. Um, that's all it is. Just an excuse. Um, yeah, yeah, just an excuse. You go, go, you know, Google, you know, search for a little bit. People that have overcome unbelievable adversity, and then look yourself in the mirror and be like, "Well, here's why I can't." There's no excuse. No excuse. People come from abject poverty and just accomplish amazing things. People are born with all kinds of deformities and physical setbacks and accomplish amazing things. People, I mean, people come to financial ruin sometimes out of no fault of their own. It was just timing of a of a market, timing of a natural disaster, whatever, and still they they come out of it stronger, more resilient. We don't have an excuse. You don't have an excuse. And when we make excuses, that's when we wake up 10 years later and we're in the same exact quagmire. Sometimes we've sunken down a little further, and sometimes we sink down so much, we actually think we're making progress. So, verse 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. The righteous run into it. Um, he's not a strong tower for just anybody and everybody. 
the righteous. Okay, we've talked about that a lot. Righteous means what? Well, God defines what's truly righteous, and righteous connotes action. That means there's some action going on. You know, you aren't just we're just righteous. No, there's righteous talk. There's righteous thinking. There's righteous character. There's righteous action. Um, we are made righteous through Christ, and He commands, He demands righteous conduct and character. So there you go. Don't just quote that verse and put you know put it on your refrigerator and be like, that's for me. Not if you're not righteous, it's not. Not if you're not righteous, it's not. Verse 11, a rich man's wealth is his strong city, and like a high wall in his imagination. <laughs> Listen, God is not against wealth. He's never been against wealth. God is not against people being fabulously wealthy. He's just smart enough to know, um, as most of us are. Most people have some kind of dollar amount, right, Where or, or wealth amount, where it it's no longer a benefit for them. It's actually going to now destroy them. And for some people, honestly, for some people, that's a few bucks an hour more. Um, I've seen people for, you know, a 50 grand a year pretty much sell their soul. A uh, 150 grand a year. Sell their soul. I'm sorry, bro. I mean, if you're going to sell your soul for money, please at least make the price higher than that. I mean, that's ridiculous. Um, but this is what people, you know, people have a price. Everybody pretty much has a price. And sometimes God can't bless us or won't bless us because our price is really low. Um, so he can't bless us. He's not going to. He's not going to give us something that's going to destroy us. You know, what kind of good father would do that? Um, and then we go out and we claw at it and we make some money and then we lose out with God because it wasn't from him. It was um, from our own strength. But we can't trust in our wealth. We can't trust in riches. We can't trust in financial security. Great to have it. It's awesome. It's a wonderful thing. But we can't trust in it in the way of um, weighty matters, right? Eternal things. Of course, we can trust in it like, hey, I've got money in the bank. Praise God. I don't have to constantly stress about my bills. But, you know, we can't let our wealth be the thing that takes the place of things like God and uh, our family and the community of the church and stuff like that. And I've seen many people I don't know a whole bunch of people that I would consider truly wealthy, um, but I have seen people far less than that that absolutely lose out with God because they've got a little bit of money in the bank. And it's it's a really sad thing. It's a really sad thing. Um, verse 12, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. We've talked about this a lot too. Pride, arrogance versus having meekness and humility. And, you know, it's necessary because when we are proud, when we're haughty, when we're high-minded, we will eventually, we are going to be destroyed. Um, that's just, it's going to happen. It's a matter of time. It's going to happen. Uh, destroyed does not mean we lose all our money. Destroyed does not, I mean, you can be super fabulously wealthy. Look at some of these movie stars that put a gun to their head and just end it all, okay? On the height of their game when it comes to money and popularity, uh, but that's not what ultimate destruction looks like, folks. <laughs> so we need to put things in context and realize what's going on. Verse 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Now, again, this is where I, I'll say there are times I am a fool in this matter. I need to work on it. Answering somebody, saying something before, you don't even hear everything they have to say. You're not listening. You're not having true godly empathy. And this is something we need to do. It's foolish um, to 
not listen and try to answer before you hear and you really hear, you really listen. Um, so, hey, I'm happy to share where I can use some work and I am working on that. And I've had people look at me in the face um, and tell me this is an area where you are, need to work on. <laughs> and it was not fun, but I said, yeah, you know, I, I agree. You're, you know, a bit, maybe I'd grid my teeth and be like, but I'm telling you, um, wise people, I want to be wise. And I know I can read the Bible and it says wise people can take instruction and correction. And so I need to be able to take correction and instruction if I want to be wise. And if you want to be a fool, go go for it. <laughs> there's plenty of them out there. They're a dime a dozen. Probably cheaper than that. I mean, you got inflation and stuff going on right now, so it's probably you know, cheaper than that. So um, let's see. A man's spirit will endure sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. And you know, we we do need to lean on God. We need to have our priorities straight. Okay. One thing that crushes people's spirit is they don't have their they don't have their priorities straight. They put too much emphasis on you know the, the job over here or money in the bank or you know this this you know one thing that's supposed to work out or whatever and they don't take things in stride with proper priorities and and it can crush your spirit and once you have a crushed spirit once you're broken like that uh, it's it's difficult to uh, come back from it you can of course um, God can do all things but we need to then come to God get our priorities straight and washed in him and then okay now we can now we can get back to it Verse 15, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Been talking about that already. Um, we want to increase. And wise people, truly intelligent people, I mean, they want to increase in it. They want to acquire knowledge, get more knowledge. They, in order to do that, you got to admit, hey, there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of places where I can be wiser. And then you can acquire it. Verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. Uh, people that want to get before the great before their gift makes room. They're, again, a dime a dozen. They're all over the place. People want to have the lights and the camera and woo, all the fame and the, and the flash and the pan before they have anything to build that on, before they have any foundation. They want to hurry up and move in, get the furniture in there, and um, you know, move into the house before the foundation's poured, before there's walls up. And it destroys a lot of people. It really does. It frustrates a lot more. Um, a lot of people are frustrated. A lot of people are... Um, depressed and anxious and these kinds of things because they they don't understand this. Allow things to kind of simmer, germinate. Let let things happen and unfold as as opposed to just trying to smash every wall down and make things happen. Um, so your gift will make room for you. It will. Uh, verse seventeen: the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Uh, and this gets back to that first point, right? You listen to one one side of a of an argument, one side of a court case, one side of a debate, one side of anything, and man, that really seems yeah, that seems true, even if it's barely factual, because all you're hearing is the one side. But that's where we need to hear both sides, different angles from things. We need to seek that out and hear it before we are able to, you know, really make an assessment of what what the truth is. For something, and the bigger the thing, the bigger the item, the more important, the more um, that that rides on this. Obviously, we should take more time. We should approach it slower. We should hear more, right? Um, as opposed to just making a snap judgment on something important. 
Verse 18, the lot puts an end to quarrels and decides between powerful contenders. We don't really, you know, cast lots and stuff like that anymore, but, um, you know, that's in here. <laughs> um, and, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot in the scriptural sense where we're, where we're giving it over to God, like they did back in this day. Um, they didn't have the Holy Spirit, right, that kind of thing. And, again, they would cast a lot and say, God, you know, you can go either way. We're just going to seek your will. We're just going to see see which way this rolls. Um, but I think it's, it's certainly better to seek guidance from the Spirit, to listen to the Holy Spirit when we're in prayer, to seek out uh, scriptural truth on matters, and to seek out godly advice. But sometimes there are just things where God doesn't care. Like, there, you can go either way. Path A, path B, path C. As long as you're walking in, you know, walking in relationship with Him and you're not um, messing up your priorities in God and this kind of thing, you know? And at that point, roll the dice. Which way you want to go, you know? Verse, uh, yeah, verse 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. This is where, you know, it's important to have that humility we've been talking about. It's important to have that that desire for wisdom to be able to learn and hear and understand. Because once you get into an argument, once you get into quarreling and you offend somebody, man, it's over. You know, what I've seen so many times somebody's offended. Doesn't matter what you say, doesn't matter what it, they're offended. They're offended. You offended them. And those emotions take over. Uh, as much as people want to say, we are not quote-unquote, rational beings, logical beings. People do not make decisions based off of logic most of the time. They make them based off of feeling. And once you have hurt somebody's feelings, all the logic in the world is not going to satisfy. And so it's best to, again, right, take take things slow, try not to get into an argument, uh, feel free to be humble, take something on the chin, just, hey, take it on the chin, all right? Just end the argument, right? Try to Try to cool things down, get things reset to where people can calm down, their feelings get out of the way, and you can actually approach people with logic and reason and and discussion discussion, and, and that kind of thing. Um, verse 20 uh, of Proverbs 18, From the fruit of a man's mouth his stomach is satisfied. He is satisfied by the yield of his lips. And, you know, here... Again, speaking positive things and uh, allowing ourselves to think in a positive manner, to approach things from a positive standpoint. Uh, this is a very important thing. Um, we, you know, we don't want to be out there just constantly talking negative. We don't want to be out there using our mouth as a form of destruction and tearing people down, tearing ourselves down, this kind of stuff. And a lot of times, where does that come from? It comes from the inside. It comes from our mind, our heart, and then it just comes outward. It's not that like you speak something and that has like this power, you know, I want a million dollars now. I will have a million dollars now. I speak a million dollars right now. I mean, that that's not it. It's a lot of times it's the inside coming outward. And so we want to start controlling the thing we can the easiest. And that is don't let it cross your lips. Don't let it come out. Then we need to move inward and we need to start correcting our thinking as well. Um, and that's an important thing. We talked about that before as well. Uh, and look at this next verse, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. 
So again, it's not saying that you can always speak speak life into into a situation, speak things into existence. Again, because people that do that, okay, fine, you can speak things into existence. Oh yeah, power of God. Uh, yeah, okay. Why don't you speak a dollar bill into existence? Why I don't have any anything in my pocket right now. Speak just a ball of lint into my pocket, right? We don't have the power to just speak things; they just happen. Um, but what, what, where? That's probably the best best way to start the sentence. <laughs> where the tongue stems from, right, is on the inside. We, you know, Jesus said, "It's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks." <laughs> so when we're talking about the tongue, a lot of times. That's the outward evidence of really what's inside. And yes, we need to speak life, and we need to not speak death, and we need to uh, build people up and not tear people down. And yes, we need to speak truth and love and not be permissive and make excuses for everybody. And we also don't need to be overly judgmental and mean and harsh. And so there's a balance there, but, you know, again... That, that all comes from what? The power of the tongue. And so we need to guard our tongues. We need to be mindful and thoughtful about that. But we also need to be even more thoughtful about, hey, where is this coming from? Why would I want to say this? Why would I want to speak this? It, it's coming from our character, who we are, how we think. And those are the things that are most difficult sometimes to change. And again, one great way to change it is to not be isolated, as we've been talking about through this chapter. And listen to counsel, listen to godly people who have a relationship with God, know the word, they love us, they can help us see our blind spots, they can help us be corrected, uh, that kind of thing. I keep saying that, don't I? That kind of thing. <laughs> it's like my favorite word on this, this episode, or fra- favorite phrase, I guess. Verse 22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Yeah, yeah, when he does it, you know, in the Lord with wise counsel, somebody who just runs out and marries somebody, you know, on a whim because, man, the chemistry was just there. We're just going to make it happen. They might be finding a not good thing. Uh, Same thing for a wife finding a husband. And we need to take these things very seriously because who you marry is a massive, massive significance in your life. Uh, Having children with somebody making a home with somebody, trying to continue and do the work of God and be in, in Him with this other person. That person needs to be uh, something that you have considered a lot. Prayerfully ask people about just, the, I mean, the whole thing, the whole thing. And a lot of times what happens, we spend more time researching a car than looking at who we're going to marry. <laughs> we, we spend more time, you know, researching uh, different uh, phones, different cell phones, and which one we're going to buy and looking into it, then we spend the time committing to someone for life. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And we as the church, I think, have done a, a very poor job of helping people to understand that. Like, you, you sh- this is something you should consider over a course of months, there's reading you should be doing. There's counsel you should be getting. There's a lot of prayer you should be doing. Um, instead of just like, oh, 
I really like this person. We just click. We just, you know, we just met, you know, two months ago, and it's just been a a whirlwind. It's just amazing, and we're ready to get married. Are you? Hmm. Have you talked about? You know, list the high priority things. Oh, we haven't, you know, we, that, we just know it's going to work. We just know this has to be God. Yeah, okay. If I had a dime for every time, <laughs> somebody who said that, who later ate those words, um, I'd be a very rich man. I wouldn't know somebody that was wealthy if I had a dime for every time I saw that. Um, so, yes, we need to be thoughtful, prayerful, and all of that when it comes to, you know, perhaps the the most important, hmm, how do I phrase this? The most important decision that is not directly spiritual. Uh, it's very indirectly spiritual, but that's the most important decision you're going to make in your life, right? Who you marry, right? So we need to, yeah, we need to take it seriously. Verse 23, the poor the poor use entreaties, but the rich answer roughly. Uh, it's interesting, yeah. When, we, when we're coming from a, uh, you know, a, a, a vantage point of weakness. We're coming from a vantage point of, you know, we're kind of like a uh, hat in the hand. Like, uh, yeah, of course, then we use entreaty. Then we try to win people over. Then, and then when we feel like we're the dominant one in a situation, uh, yeah, all of a sudden we lose decorum. We lose, <laughs> right? And we should have that amount of humility and everything everywhere. And um, we, but there is an element of kind of knowing our play. You're the new guy on the job. Maybe you, even if you have the best suggestion in the room, maybe you should play that um, with a little more, you know, meekness and humility uh, with all the people in the room that have been doing this for, you know, 25 years. It might be a great suggestion. It might be the best thing to do. But, you know, kind of know our place. Um, again, Bible's not saying that it's good for rich people to answer roughly. It, it's not. People should be humble, loving. Uh, compassionate, understanding, all that stuff. But it is kind of a fact, right? That is a lot of times how it is. Uh, verse 24, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And again, getting all the way back to verse 1 and tying it to verse 24, you might have all kinds of people around you, like I said, echo chamber. But what you really need is a friend, uh, someone who will let you know what you need to know tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Someone who lovingly will correct you, lovingly will give you truth, lovingly will tell you, hey, that's not the right way. You're messing up, bro. Um, that's what we need. That's what we need. Because a whole bunch of people just hanging around us could all be in the same boat going over the same waterfall, right? What we need is somebody to say, hey, no, you need to steer that thing over here. I can have, I have a clear vantage point from here, uh, over here on the shore, and I can see you guys are going over to, you know, destruction, you need to steer steer it clear. Oh, no, no, all the voices, right, in the echo chamber. No, this is the right way. This is fine. We all agree. We voted on it, whatever. And it's like, okay, we need to take this into consideration. We need to be people who seek counsel. And again, with the ever-increasing magnitude of whatever decision it is, whatever the issue is, whatever the subject is, if it's, you know, what cereal to, to grab from the cereal aisle, you know, I would say, look for BOGO, man. Buy one, get one. That's the cereal this week, right? Not a big deal. Not a whole lot of people to ask counsel from. Don't have to take two weeks and pray about it because uh, the BOGO deal is going to be gone in two weeks anyway, right? But here's the deal. What career we should go into. What we should do for our local church community. 
whether we should take those extra hours, those start getting a little more up there. Who we should marry, how we should raise our children. Whoa, those are way up there. And so as we kind of get up that scale of how massive, small or massive, the decision is, we really should want more and more and more and more to not isolate ourselves from godly counsel, but to get out there and get perspective and, and listen and hear what people are saying. And that is verse 24, the end of chapter 18. So I hope this is, uh, has helped you. I'd uh, love to hear your comments, your thoughts. Did something else stick out in this chapter? Something that I didn't really spend much time on or whatnot. Um, show me where uh, where your, your your kind of focus is and um, do that in the comment section on the YouTube channel. You can hit us up also, again, breadbreakers.com. You can always contact us on Facebook and stuff to uh, share your thoughts and stuff. I'm rambling a little bit here, so I'm going to end it. Love you. God bless you. And we will catch you on the next episode.